Well, good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Everybody have a good week so far? All right. I've just got a couple of announcements I want to make. Just a couple of reminders. Men, don't forget about this uh, Saturday. We have our men's breakfast. And we're going to have skeet shooting afterwards right over here on the other side of the church. Um, so, And it's going to get hot real quick. So um, so make sure we drink lots of water. Man, I, I'm missing that cool weather that we had the other day. Yesterday and the day before. Um, don't forget about our ice cream social for BGMC, Boys and Girls Missions Challenge coming up, and that's on August 27th, and, and uh, the, you'll see the window back there, and, and Boys and Girls Missions Challenge, remember all the money goes towards missionaries, and like I said, my friend uh, 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 Tim Ligon bought a uh, generator for his refrigerator over in Africa, because they don't have re refrigerators that stay cool, so the generator kept it moving, or I think the electricity's not good over there. Uh, a couple of other things. Don't forget about the kickoff, August 30th, for Bible Quest. And then, of course, we have our youth group going on tonight. And then our men's breakfast again, August 19th. And then the Bible study, men's Bible study. And then we have our fall festival. And so our fall festival, and thank you, uh, um, Shauna, for decorating the table back there. And that's coming up August, uh, October 31st, not August, October 31st. So we're going to be getting out into the community, letting all the people know, the moms and dads know that we're here. And then also, if you have a prayer request, let us know so that we can get it on the list and we can pray for that. So before we uh, get ready for worship, can we all bow our heads? Let's pray for those that have uh, prayer, prayer requests on here. Father, we're not going to pray for all these. All, all. We're just going to bunch them together because you know the needs of our hearts before we pray them. So, Father, we lift up every single person on here that needs prayer. 
God, people that need healing and miracles. We thank you for Parker being healed of that cyst in his, in his, in his brain, that tumor, and it's completely gone. We thank you for John tonight that's here, Lord, that it didn't damage his bones and didn't damage any major arteries. And God, you're a healing God and you're an awesome God. And so, Father, we lift up all those that have prayer requests that need a touch of God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And would you please stand? Father, we thank you for all that you give us as we get ready for this Wednesday night service, as we worship you, we praise you, we honor you. You said to come into your house with thanksgiving and praise, and we do that tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. It's who I am, it's who I am, 
attention tonight we're going to praise one more time father you alone are worthy of our praise god father as we pour out our voices tonight unto you god father we pray that you would just rain down blessings upon your people god father it's all about you lord just have your way in this service god just have your way father Happy. 
as I think about this that everything we have in this life belongs to you you said you will not share your glory with another you deserve the glory and the honor and the power forever and ever Lord Lord you deserve the glory you deserve the honor so Father at this moment we just we lay our crowns down before your throne We lay down our accomplishments. Lord, we even lay down our failures before your throne. And we give them to you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Boy, there's just a sweet, sweet presence of God tonight. You know, there's those times when you can just really sense the presence of God. You know, I, I, we don't live by feelings, but we live by faith. But man, it sure is nice to feel God's presence. So, all right, well, good evening. And uh, how's everybody doing this week? You prepared for tomorrow? The heat. <laughs> all right. Hope everybody's had a good week so far. And just... You know, one of the things I remember my pastor saying when I was a kid, Tom Stipe, he said one time, he said, uh, you know, worship isn't just when we worship, it's worship with the word. So we continue to worship God even when we're hearing the word. You know, the Bible is God breathed. So even while you're sitting here and you're in his presence, you know, God can give you understanding and, uh, you know, just open up the eyes of your heart to the scripture. So, you know, we've been in, uh, we've been in a, speaking about the typology of the pre-trib rapture in the Old Testament. So we're going to look at some of those scriptures tonight. And if you have your Bibles, look with me into Genesis 41. We're going to read that whole chapter. I know it's a long chapter, uh, but there's a reason why I want us to read it. Um, and then we're going to kind of do a little recap. I have this on, but it's not on back there. <laughs> Click it. Sorry. So while they're fixing that, let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 41. We're going to look at uh, a few things, and then we're going to do a little bit of recap. So we're going to read this scripture. We've got a few passages of scripture we're going to look at tonight. Um, and we're, we're looking at typology in the Old Testament of the pre-tribulation rapture. Again, remember the video I showed last week where the guy walked in 
to all these. How many of you guys were here last week? Um, and, and they show that clip in Great Britain where this guy's on, he's on a business trip and he goes into Aldi's. You know, we have Aldi's here. And you walk in and remember they had the glass doors and they had QR codes and they had little tablets and you could not go in and buy or sell unless you had your COVID pass and unless you had a digital ID and, and that was in London. And, and so it's all coming. And so the reason why I'm pointing and showing this about the pre-tribulation raptures, I do believe that we're not appointed in wrath. The scripture talks about that. I've shared some scriptures on that. Um, I don't have them tonight. Um, I guess all you, it's coming up. <laughs> but uh, we're going to look at these scriptures tonight, Genesis 41, and then we're going to go over to 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. The first one um, is on Joseph and... Uh, it, let's go here to Genesis 41. The next one will be on Elijah, and the last one uh, I'll look at here in a minute. So, all right, Genesis chapter 41. Everybody got their Bibles? I call them your sword, right? If you have it on your phone, that's great. Either or, as long as you got the Bible. I remember when that first started happening, I, I couldn't believe the kids were on their phone. Well, I figured out they were on their Bibles. So, so Genesis 41, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream he was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were going on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief bankers in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he'd interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he, quickly, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one could interpret it. But I have, had it, I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Let me stop there for a minute. You and I can do nothing apart from God. Right. All the talents and gifts you have are from the Lord. Just like our message tonight, he gets all the glory. Even what I do up here, he gets the glory. We all got our talents. I got, I've, you've heard me tell you a hundred times, I got the gift of gab. That's no reason why I'm up here. <laughs> Verse 17, then Pharaoh said to Joseph in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile. When out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. Then the lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after that, after they ate them, no one could tell that they had, had done so. 
They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dreams, I also said, saw seven heads of grain, full and good and growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted with uh, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what, is about, what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years. And so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it will be so severe. Let me stop there again too. Again, I want you to understand this is typology. Uh, there's a lot of, when God speaks of that time, he is also speaking of future a lot of times. Do you guys understand that? He's speaking of that time, but he also speaks prophetically into the future. The seven years tribulation is going to be so severe that if God didn't shorten it and cut it, man would be destroyed. All of man. And so the times that we're getting close to, I believe, we don't know the day or the hour when Jesus is coming back, but I believe all the signs are pointing to it. It's going to be the worst time that man has ever seen on the earth, is what the scripture even says. So going on, verse, I think I was in verse 30, but seven years of famine will follow them, then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. Verse 31, the abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter had been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt, so that the country may not be ruined by famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all, the, all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Now I'm going to stop here and I need somebody to, would somebody like to help me pass these out tonight? I, I, again, I borrowed this from uh, J.D. Farag, so he gets the credit for putting all of this together. But there's a hundred different scriptures on here pointing to Joseph is a type of Christ. And there is some stuff in there that talks about the pre-tribulation rapture. And we're going to look at the pre-tribulation rapture. But I wanted you to just have this on your own if you ever wonder, how is Joseph a type of Christ? He is a type of Christ. So Pharaoh is like a type, now understand, Pharaoh was an ungodly man, but in a sense, he's a symbol of how Jesus is at the right hand of who? The Father, and he's subject to the Father. Does that all make sense tonight? Okay. So just like God the Father is the one that sets the times and the dates, and God the Father is the one that says, he tells the Son to come back and get his bride, us, the church, Joseph was submissive to Pharaoh. 
Okay, verse 41. I know we're reading a lot tonight, but is everybody keeping up with this? If you start falling asleep, that's when I need a blow horn, right? Okay, I'm just kidding with you. All right, verse 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took a signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and men shouted before him, Make way, thus put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word no one will lift a hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name of Zephanetha Paneah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of the Pharaoh of the king of Egypt. How old was Jesus when he entered ministry? 30. 30 years old. His brothers sold him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. How many was Jesus? 30 pieces. 30 and 20 is 50, which is, the, which is grace, which is jubilee. The year of Jubilee in yeah. Jewish. Yeah. 50 years is Jubilee. Isn't that great how God does everything? And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. Verse 47. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the fruit, food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to him, Joseph uh, by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Verse 52, the second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick. Father, as we study this tonight about the pre-tribulation rapture and the typology in the Old Testament, give us understanding. Open up the eyes of our hearts. Help us learn together. Father, as your speaker, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me. I humbly submit to you, Holy Spirit. Have your way with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, so... I, I read that whole chapter because you got to get the full story. Some people don't get pieces of it. So yeah, most of you probably know that story, right? Yeah. Yeah, they've seen the good movie, Joseph. I, one of my favorites is Joseph that came out in the early 90s. We have it on DVD. I, I really like that version of it. But you, you're seeing something here that is interesting. Now, before we get into this, we will get into 2 Kings and Isaiah if we get that tonight. But I want to do a recap a recap, Enoch represents the church. Remember in Genesis chapter 5, verses, uh, verses 21 through 25. I don't know if I got the scripture up there. Uh, I didn't. So I'm going to read Genesis chapter 5 real quick. You don't have to turn there. You're welcome to if you want to. And I'm going to read verses 21 through 25. You remember we talked about this a few weeks ago. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. 
And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him. Notice this is pre-flood. Remember, we talked about this. This is just a little recap. You and I represent, we are the church or the bride of Christ. I've always told everybody this. If I would have paid somebody to beat up my wife before we got married, she would not have married me. Right? Go to somebody and say, here, take this 20 bucks. My wife needs to beat up a little bit. She needs to be toughened up a little bit. I guarantee I would have been the only one standing at the altar that day. Why would Jesus beat up his bride? Why would he beat up somebody that he has made righteous and imputed righteousness to? Remember I talked about that, imputed righteousness. That when you and I get saved, Jesus' righteousness covers our sin. When God looks at it, he looks at the righteousness of his son in us that covers us. So this is pre-flood. Enoch pleased God and was taken pre-flood. By faith, this is Hebrews eleven five. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, remember the scripture I've shared with you. Jesus is going to come down with a, 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 with a command and with the, and with the shout of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are still alive will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Yes. Right. Harpazo, to be caught up, to be seized. And remember I shared with you, I shared the scripture that in, and people say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Remember the Latin Bible I showed you guys a few weeks ago? Raptui or Raptumir, I, can, I can't say the other word, but it is in the Bible. So for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Yes, you and I, if we're born again, we please God. Yes. If you're saved tonight, you please God. And I'm not just talking about just saying a prayer. I'm talking about surrendered your life to Jesus. Right. We've made what we call an easy believism today. If you just say this prayer, but there's no life change, you're okay. Right? It means confessing your sins and turning from your sins. We call that repentance. So the church is taken pre-tribulation, rapture, same thing. You've seen a pattern here? Enoch, pre-flood, church. And I I can share a couple scriptures. This is Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. The Philadelphia church, I've shared this with you. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true. This is Jesus speaking. Who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have a little strength. Jesus said when he comes back, will he find faith on the earth? You got to wonder if the church is going to have a little strength when Jesus comes back. I don't know. I'm still praying for a revival. It's okay to pray for a revival. We need a great awakening in our country. He says, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. One of the scriptures, it's not in my scripture tonight, but it says in the last days, they won't put up with sound doctrine, but they will gather around them teachers that will tickle their ears and make them feel good. In fact, the, the translation there means stories. It'll come to a point where pastors and teachers aren't going to teach the Word of God anymore. They're going to give their ideas. Listen, if, if I don't teach the Word of God, I'm not doing my job as a pastor. That's right. 
These aren't my words. Billy Graham always said, the Bible says. So he says, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. And you have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. Now that's a whole other thing that happened during that time. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Now listen to this. This is prophetically speaking. Remember, he's speaking of that time, and that did happen. You can find the seven churches in, in western Turkey. or Yeah, western Turkey, that's what we call uh, Asia Minor. And they're still, some of them are still there, some of them are gone. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently. How many of you guys are waiting for the Lord to come back? Yeah. Are you enduring patiently? Yeah. He who holds on to the end, stand firm then. I will also keep you from the hour of trial. Another translation of trial is tribulation. That is going to come on the what? Everybody say whole world. He doesn't just say that part of the country. He's meaning the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. So Jesus says here, now how many of you guys take Jesus' word seriously? He says the faithful and remnant that love him, that, that have kept his word and have not denied his name, he's going to keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come upon the whole world. That's a promise. When you, and you've heard me say in, the first, in, in uh, first, uh, chapters 1 through 3 in Revelation, Jesus is talking about the seven churches. I believe each one of those churches represent ages. I believe they represent individuals. And I also believe they represent churches. Or did I say churches already? Churches, yeah, I did. Ages, churches, and individuals. Yeah. You can be a Laodicean individual. Lukewarm, right? How many of you like lukewarm coffee? Or it's a hot day, you get lukewarm water, you get warm water. Nobody likes that. Jesus says if you're a lukewarm Christian, he's going to vomit you. That's what the word means, out of his mouth. So we've got to take his words pretty seriously. Yeah. The Leo, I think it's an age. I think we're in the church of the Laodicean church. A couple of weeks ago, I preached on apostasy within the church. It means to defect. And we're seeing that today. We're seeing mainline denominations yeah. fall away from the word of God and follow the things that God says are wrong. So Noah represents Israel entering the seven-year tribulation and being saved in the midst of the tribulation. How long was Noah and his family in the ark before the floods came? Let's go to that scripture. Go with me real quick to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 7. And I got it up here. You're welcome to go to it. I think I put it up here. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. Genesis 7.10. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. So, Noah... God put him in the ark, and you can find the scripture where it says that actually God closed the ark door. I mean, could you imagine how big the ark is? I mean, I think there's one in Kentucky, right, that they built? Yeah. I have some pictures. Somebody showed me a, a, a magazine. I think it was you, Sandy, gave it to me. I mean, this thing's massive. Ken Ham, if you ever want to know answers in Genesis of how God really created the earth, I just watched a video, and they have found up on Mount Everest, they have found fish, fossilized fish. Up 
that's the tallest mountain in the world. Didn't God say he flooded 20 feet above the tallest mountain? So Noah is a representation of Israel. Now, what I'm trying to point out is the church, when, when God says the fulfillment of the Gentiles comes in, the fullness of the Gentiles, I mean, it means there's that one last Gentile that's going to get saved, and then Jesus is going to come get his bride. Then the attention is turned to the Jews. The tribulation period, the focus is no longer on Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles are going to get saved. People are going to get saved during the tribulation period. The focus is on reaching the Jewish community, to reach the Jews for Christ. Because in Zechariah, it says they're going to look on him and whom they have pierced, and they're going to weep. The next one is Lot. Remember Lot? We talked about this. Lot represents the church. He was seized by the angels. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? He was stalling a little bit, and the angels had to grab him and literally grab him and see the word seize literally means drag him real quickly. It wasn't like an easy thing. It's like when your kids are acting up and a car's going and you don't want to, them to get ran over by a car. You what? You run over there and you seize them quickly, right? right. Well, the rapture is going to be like that. He's going to seize us quickly. Destruction could not happen until he and his family were safe. Remember that? The angel said, we can't destroy this place until you're safe. Guys, he wants to make sure we're safe as his church. Now, let's look at Joseph. This is the one, remember, we looked at. We already read that. Joseph's bride, let's go back to Genesis 41. I was just doing a recap of what we've looked at before on those other two. In Genesis 41, Joseph took a Gentile bride before the seven years of famine. Look with me in verses 44 and 45. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all Egypt. Verse 45, Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephanath the Paneah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Most of the church today is made up of Gentiles. Now, you do have some Jews that have been saved. But most, now the early church, a lot of it was Jewish, but now today, most of it is what? Gentile. And so Joseph is given a Gentile bride. He's given a Gentile bride. Now some people think, well, you're, that's a little of a stretch. No, remember, God is symbolic. He points things out in the Old Testament to point. Do you know there's scriptures that point to Jesus to, in the New Testament and point to who he is? Isaiah 53. Anybody know who uh, um, um, Jay Sekulow is? Yeah. Do you know how he got saved? He was Jewish. He's Jewish. He got, he got a, yeah, he grew up Jewish. And so he got a, he got a scholarship to a Baptist university for law. I think God had all this planned. So he gets in there and he, he's going to school and his professor said, I want you to do your, uh, your, your thesis paper on Isaiah 53. Well, he said, reading Isaiah 53 and doing the thesis, he ended up getting saved because of it. Because he saw the Messiah in Isaiah 53. So God will point things out in the Old Testament. Where was Joseph and his bride during the seven years of famine? Look what it says here, Genesis 42, 6. Now Joseph was the governor of the land. The person sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Genesis 43, verses 15 through 16. 
So the men packed Joseph's gifts and doubled the money and headed off with Benjamin. They finally arrived in Egypt and presented them to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the manager of his household, These men will eat with me this, no this noon. Take them inside the what? Palace. Some translations say home. And it says, Then go slaughter the animal and prepare the feast. Where is the bride of Christ when the tribulation period starts? In the palace of the Father. Where is the bride of Joseph and where is Joseph at? Remember, he's a type of Christ. He's in the palace. Does all making sense tonight? Jacob represents Israel. Remember, they changed his name. I believe it was a physical manifestation of Jesus in the Old Testament. The man that wrestled with Jacob. How many of you guys know that story? I believe because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And it says the angel of the Lord, and he's wrestling. I mean, could you imagine being, wrestling with God? This tells you how wonderful God is. God just touched his hip and put his hip out, which reminds me, I like John Wimber always said, we're all going to go into heaven with a limp. Because we all have baggage. And we all have issues, right? So Jacob represents Israel. His name is Israel. It was changed. Being saved and protected during the tribulation. Let's go back to, let's go over actually not to back, but let's go to Genesis 45 real quick. Look at verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> Joseph makes himself known to his brothers here. Then Joseph could no longer control himself. Remember his brothers are before him. He set them up in order. I love that. He couldn't control himself before all of his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone to leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Remember this, they're probably thinking, Oh no, this guy's number two guy. He's going to put us to death for selling him into slavery. And then he says in verse 3, Joseph uh, said to his brothers, I am, okay, no, I'm sorry, verse 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. I love his attitude. Can I remind you of something? If you're going through something tonight, God permits and allows things. It might be that God's permitting that to strengthen you so that when you come out of it, you help somebody else. Right. A lot of times we don't have empathy for somebody else until we've been through it. Right. I've told you this before, but my wife and I, we had a stillborn baby in 2011 up in Owasso, Oklahoma. Full-term baby. And that's the hardest thing when you go into the doctor and there's no heartbeat. And the doctor thought we were probably going to sue her because my wife was high risk and she was nervous. And I remember when they delivered our baby, she goes, oh, it was the umbilical cord. She had spun so much that the umbilical cord tightened up where it wasn't getting blood flow. And we were just so gracious to her. And uh, my, our funeral director had twin boys the year before that they had lived a couple days and died. And I remember taking that opportunity to witness to him and, and ask him, do you know Jesus? 
Have you ever given your life to Jesus? Well, I go to church. I said, no, 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 that's not what I asked you. Do you know Jesus? Well, we, never, we, we, we didn't get our death certificate, so <laughs> this is bad on my part, but my friend Bobby, who's coming to teach the class, his wife works, she was an anchor woman for Fox 23 News up there, <laughs> found out about it, and they did a thing. Well, we got our birth certificate pretty quick. <laughs> I think it's funny, but... <laughs> But the, the wonderful thing is we felt bad about the funeral director. So I went over and I said, listen, it, we, we're not here picking on you. We just want our death certificate for our daughter. And he followed me out to the car and he goes, I want to tell you, I just want to tell you, I, last month I, I went to church and I got saved. And he gave his life to Jesus. So even though we went through a difficult time, God used that. And, and, and then when we were in Wyoming, a young little girl that we, that we were told that uh, that uh, we were, to, we were the first ones that were told that she was pregnant with this little girl. And we watched this little girl, and I dedicated this little girl, got out, out of the house, and 80-mile-an-hour uh, winds came through in a cold front in Wyoming. And a lady in our church found her seven-eighths of a tenth of a mile from, our, from their house. And I'm in the room while they're resuscitating her, and she didn't live. And, but Stacy and I were able to comfort the mom and dad because... We knew what it meant to lose somebody. So just as an encouragement to somebody tonight, if you're going through something, God can take what is bad and make it for good. Yeah. He can use you for that. So Joseph says this. He says, verse 5, And now do not be distressed, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land, and now for the next five years there will, be, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. That was a God thing. So God preserved the Israelites. Remember Jacob... Is, is Israel. The tribulation is to bring the, is, the Jews back to the Lord. In fact, there is a scripture, and I didn't get it tonight, but when, when God says he would gather them from all the nations, you know God did scatter them from all the nations? They're the only, the only group of people after 2,000 years that formed a nation again. That's God. Yeah. There's a scripture that says, can a nation be born in a day? Guess what? Israel was born, literally born in a day. It was Harry S. Truman. They, they had a committee that night. The next day, Harry S. Truman said, Israel is a nation. They fulfilled scripture. Yeah. So God, God, but when they said he goes back, when they would come back in the land, they would come back in as atheists. They would come back as not knowing God. And today, most Jews don't know the God. Most of them are atheists. I'm, I had some scriptures on there. So what is another name for tr the tribulation? Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30. Look with me in verses 1 through 7. Most scholars will agree that this is not just speaking for that time when Israel was in captivity in Babylon. Most scholars believe that this is speaking of a future event. Verse 1, it says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will bring my people Israel and Judah back from captivity and restore them to the land I gave their fathers to possess, says the Lord. He did that, didn't he? 
These are the words of the Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. This is what the Lord says. Cries of fear are heard, terror and not peace. Ask and see, can a man bear children? Then why do I see every strong man with his hands on his stomach like a woman in labor? Every face turned deathly pale. How awful that day will be. None will be like it. He's speaking of the tribulation period. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob, but he will be saved out of it. In that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will break the yoke off their necks and will tear off their bonds and no longer will foreigners enslave them. And said they will serve the Lord their God and David their king whom I will raise up for them. David the king that he's speaking of is Jesus. So they're going to serve him one day. Remember, he calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. Guys, the tribulation period is called the time of Jacob's trouble. If it was the church's time, it would be called the time of the church's trouble. Right? right? You get that? But it is. Again, the attention goes from the Gentiles to the Jews. The tribulation period is Jewish. Here's another example. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 2. with me in verses 9 through 12. This is when Elijah is taken up to heaven. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, one translation says Elisha, but we think of that as a woman's name, so we'll just say Elisha, right? Tell me what I can do for you, for, for you before I am taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha said, replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. It, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took hold of his clothes and tore them apart. So again, uh, this, God puts things in Scripture for a reason. First, Enoch, right? There's Enoch. He puts symbolism of Joseph. They're in the, they're, they're in the, the palace, the, uh, protected there in the seven years of famine while the Israel's going through it, but they are supplied for. And then you see it with Elijah. Here, here's a wonderful picture of another guy that didn't see death. Right. Now, next week, we're going to look at Daniel. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little tidbit. In Daniel chapter 2, it says that he was exalted to a high place. Chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are there. And in the book of Revelation, the Antichrist is going to set up an image of the beast, of himself. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar did that. And he said, if you do not bow down and worship me, you will be thrown into the furnace during the tribulation period. If you don't bow down, you don't take the mark, and you don't bow down and worship the image of the beast, your head will be cut off. You'll be beheaded. That's what the scripture says. Do you see a correlation here? Yeah. Now, when, maybe we'll just talk about it tonight, even though I don't have the scriptures, but what did he tell when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood up to him and said, we will not do this. Nebuchadnezzar was angry and he said, heat up the furnace. How many times, Hotter? Seven, Seven times. Yeah. They represent Israel. Where was Daniel? Everybody asks, where was Daniel? Well, he had been exalted to a high place. Where's the church? 
exalted to a high place. So then you go in the, into, the, into the fire, and who was in the fire with them? Jesus. Jesus. And they didn't even smell like smoke when they came out of there. Right. So all this is typology in the Old Testament. And I want to look at another scripture here in a minute. So Elijah is a representation of the church, of the rapture. Elijah was taken, and Elisha was left. There's a pattern emerging. Enoch was taken, and Noah was what? Left. Matthew 25. You can write this down. Remember the ten virgins? Five were taken and five were what? Left. Five had extra oil and five did not. So that asks the question, are you prepared? Are you ready for the Lord to come back? It's going to happen. It's imminency. That means one of these days it says two will be in, two will be in a field. One's going to be working. One's going to be taken. The other one left. Two will be asleep. I mean, that would be, here's your spouse that doesn't know Jesus sleeping, and they wake up, and you're gone. Think of the fear that that's going to incorporate with people. Looking for your spouse or looking for your kids or, you know, your loved one that knows Jesus. That's why you got to know Jesus. So write this scripture down. We're not going to look at it tonight. Matthew 25 with the ten virgins. Is it going to the next slide, or is that my last one? Oh, I, that's my last one. So I need to go back to the first scripture that we had. Actually, I don't need that. Go with me to Isaiah 26. Isaiah chapter 26. We're going to read verses 20 through 21. Isaiah 26, verses, through, verses 20 through 21. Now, if you look at Ezekiel, Isaiah... And Jeremiah, all these guys were prophets that were prophesying during the Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah was prophesying just as they were coming in to capture the Israelites. Now, here's the scary part. The Israelites were doing the same thing our nation's doing. We're following in the footsteps of Israel. So our nation needs to turn back to God or God's judgment's going to come. And I think it's already starting. But see, that won't, pre- that won't preach to the thousands because they don't want to hear that. Right. Isaiah 26, 20, look what it says. Go, my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will disclose the blood shed upon her she will conceal her slain no longer. Here's another prophetic scripture in the book of Isaiah, speaking of the future. God's going to punish the earth again for their what? Their sins. Now, he already did it once with the flood. This is after the flood. He's speaking of future. So what's he tell? He says, go, my people. Who's his people? Those that are born again. Go, my people, into your rooms. Jesus says this in John 14. In fact, if you want to, go with me real quick. Hold your spot here. Go with me to John 14 so I don't take it out of context. John 14. John 14, verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to hold my spot for here in Isaiah. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Remember, this is the Last Supper. Remember, we learned it in the movie, the pre-wrath. Look what he says. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. 
One translation is many mansions. Remember in the, in the movie, uh, Before the Wrath, the, the son would go prepare a, a house for, for his bride, and it was always attached to the father's house, and it was called the room or the house. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many rooms. Isaiah 26, go my people, enter your rooms. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get goosebumps about that. God's got a mansion in heaven for us. I remember my old pastor driving by a really nice house. He goes, man, I wish I could have a house like that. And God goes, yours is in heaven. is a whole lot better than that. That's like a shack. I mean, think about it. God, Jesus is preparing heaven for us. And then he says, he says here, he says, if it were not so, I would, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Remember before the wrath, it's talking about a wedding. What's the wedding? The wedding supper of the Lamb. The bride and the groom come together. Hallelujah. Great. That's, man, I've got goosebumps talking about this. There's going to be a day we're going to be on an airplane or at Walmart. My, I was witness to somebody to Walmart today. That was really cool. But, uh, you know, wherever you're at, you know, you're going to be somewhere and you're going to just gone. You know, your clothes will stay because I don't think we're going to take our clothes with us. I've always wondered what people are going to think. Man, there's a bunch of naked people running around here. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to say it, but that's the thought, right? But this is a promise. He says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Guys, we know the place to where we're going, and that's heaven. Right. We're heaven bound. The Bible says that we're just aliens, foreigners going through this life. Right. I've never seen a U-Haul follow somebody to a graveyard. No. This is just stuff. Yeah. My little girl's like, oh, but I want to get married. That's fine. Just keep thinking that way. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't stop living your life. But be ready. Let's go back to Isaiah 26, then we're going to finish. So he says, he says here, he says, Go, my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. What does he do? When, in, the, in, the, in the wedding, remember, once you're taken into heaven, the door is shut. And once the door's shut, it's shut. Jesus says you can't enter in. That's exciting. You guys will see all the symbolism here? Hide yourselves for a little while. Seven years is a little while. The wedding feast, the Jewish wedding feast, remember, was seven days. Yeah. Noah, who had to go through the flood, did Noah go through the flood? He was in the ark for seven days. Now, he was in the the, the floods for 40 days and 40 nights, they'd say over a, a year. Could you, man, I wouldn't want to be in the, or over, I think it's like several months. I don't know. I can't remember. So don't quote me on it. I'll get it for you. But he, look what he says here. Hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed. And the scripture says that you and I are not appointed to wrath. 
we're not appointed to God's wrath. Hallelujah. So he hides us in the rooms. What a great picture of the, of the rapture of the church. And then he says, see, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling place or his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their what? Their sins. You and I, when we get saved, we are justified. Remember the, what I used on Sunday? Justified means as if you have never sinned. What does that do for your relationship with God? That's love. Hallelujah. We're, not ju we're justified before God. Not because of what we did or what we do, but because of what he did. One more scripture. You guys mind that? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. When I say one more scripture, there'll be about 20 more. I got that one scripture, but Hebrews ch chapter 10, verse 14. I want, I want to share this. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. We're going to start. Let, let's start. Let, now, this is not about the rapture, but this is something you need to hear. He's talking about the priests going day by day into the Holy of Holies to going through their religious duties and, and going through. All, and, you know, in the Old Testament, when they shed the blood, it only covered their sins. It didn't remove their sins. I want you to get that. In the Old Testament, their sins were just covered, but they were not removed. Right. Our sins are removed. Yeah. And then he says, but, verse 12, but when the priest had offered all for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies, enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He has made you perfect. The day you got saved, he made you perfect. For how long? Forever. For those who are being made holy. also means, and when he says by being holy, it means he sanctifies us. We're saved. Our spirit's been sanctified. But then there's what we call progressive sanctification. How many of us Jesus is working on still today? Remember I told you that God works on me when I preach. I ain't up get tested. Boy, I messed up bad with my kids yesterday. And then the enemy started coming in. What a bad dad you are. What a horrible dad you are, right? Anybody ever have those thoughts? And I finally just said, you know what? I rebuked that in Jesus' name. Jesus, forgive me. It's under the blood. Boom, it was done, over with. So because by one sacrifice, he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This is your scripture to leave with tonight. You can write this one down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Or chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Listen to this. Verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. The tribulation period, the first, the first five sealed, the first... Uh, judgments. The, you got the you got the bold judgment. You got the seal judgments. You got the bold judgments. The trumpet judgments. Judgments. The, but the first five is the lamb, the wrath of the lamb. Uh, 
then from 6 on is the wrath of God. They're both, wouldn't you say Jesus is God, right? That's the wrath. So if anything, if you have any encouragement tonight as we look at the typology in the Old Testament, that should give you a good solid understanding that we are not appointed to wrath. We're not going to go through the tribulation period. We may, we may, uh, we may be, uh, we may go through the pains of man, right? Man can bring tribulation. He can bring pain. We may go through the birth pains, but we're not going to go through the tribulation period. I think we're beginning to see the birth pains. I think we're we're getting there. We've never ha we haven't had a lot of persecution in the United States, but it's coming. It is coming, so be prepared. With every head bowed, every eye closed here tonight. Sure, Sherry, go ahead. Let me tell you, you're not going to be little angels with harps. God's got work for you to do. What you've done here. So if you're a singer, you get to sing in heaven. I really believe that. God gives you gifts. It says in, in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, the, the gifts and calling are irrevocable. So I believe what you do here, God's going to use you in heaven, whatever your spiritual gifting is here. I don't know how and what capacity, but we're going to be used by God. Yeah. He likes to use his kids. Yeah. And we're his kids. Yeah. Right? right? All right. Thank, no, that's a good question. Thank you for asking that. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed here tonight. How are you and God? Are you saved tonight? Do you know Jesus? I've mentioned it before, going to church doesn't save you. Knowing about Jesus doesn't save you. Even the, even the demons believe in shudder. It's surrendering your life to Jesus. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Can you say without a shadow of doubt that you're saved tonight. The Bible says we can be sure of our salvation. If you're not saved tonight, if you're not sure, you need to make sure. And you need to come before the Lord. If that's you tonight and you want to be saved, you're not sure and you want to be saved, you want to make sure, you want to know that you're going to heaven when you die, raise your hand. Everybody's saved in here. Hallelujah. Are you here tonight and you're going through something difficult? You're going through a difficult time in your life. And you needed to hear that maybe you're going through this because God's going to use you on the, when you come out of it. And you just need some prayer tonight. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? All right, Father, I just pray right now for those that raise their hand. You know who they are. You know the needs of our hearts before we even pray them. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will give them the strength. You said you will not let us be tempted. That word tempted means trial in the original language. You won't let us go through a trial uh, uh, that we cannot handle, but you will provide a way out so that we can stand up under it. That means you're going to give us the strength to get through it. I know it's not easy. I know it's difficult. But, Lord, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Give them strength tonight as they go through this trial. Give them encouragement. Holy Spirit, the Paracletos, you are the spirit of comfort. You are the spirit of love and joy and all the things that surround God. Give them strength. Give them comfort. You're the wonderful counselor. Give them counsel tonight. And use them mightily in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen.
Thank you for coming tonight. We're going to look at some more scriptures next week. I kind of already gave some of them away. Um, please hold on to those, uh, those lists. Don't, don't lose them for yourself. Look at all the scriptures for the type of Christ. Okay? Did you, guys, did you guys enjoy this message tonight? Did you guys enjoy what you learned? Good. Praise the Lord. Have a good night. Thank <laughs> you.